Hallelujah. He is an awesome God, Sister T. Hallelujah. He is so good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord, everybody. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. I am going to, uh, young people, first of all, youth class, you're going to stay in tonight. I'm just going to teach you. Sorry, cutting in and out. Okay. We'll just work with that. <laughs> you get to hear the lesson in here tonight is what I was saying. So um, if we could all turn to Proverbs chapter 6. You want me to change that? Okay. I'm going to turn to Proverbs chapter 6. Uh, King Solomon compiled a book of wise sayings, and it is called the Proverbs. And one of his favorite techniques to teach was to use contrast, um, where he tells us what somebody, what we should be like um, by using something that's opposite. So, um, for example, he tells us that we should be wise, but he talks about the foolish person and, and tells us about the foolish person and how they act. And then in more than one place in Proverbs, he uses uh, creatures from the animal kingdom as examples of things that act with more sense than some human beings. <laughs> Tonight we're going to talk about one of those. So we're going to read Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 11. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth and thy want as an armed man. Praise God. You may be seated. I'm going to talk about the ant and the sluggard tonight. The ant and the sluggard. Um, I'm going to read what we just read in the message version. Version, And now I just want to just put the caution out there, the, the warning label that says, be careful about the message version. Sometimes it adds some context that was never intended, um, and sometimes it takes away some things that were never intended to be taken away because you're not to take anything away from the Word of God. It is perfect, anointed, and correct. That's it, bottom line. But this description of a sluggard is pretty interesting in the message version, so I thought I'd read it. You lazy fool, look at an ant. Woo, that's harsh words right off the bat. Watch it closely. Let it teach you a thing or two. Nobody has to tell it what to do. All summer, it stores up food. At harvest, it stockpiles provisions. So how long are you going to laze around doing nothing? How long before you get out of bed? Sounds like I've said this at home. Get your carcass out of bed. How long are you going to lay there? A nap here, a nap there, a day off here, a day off there. Sit back and take it easy. Do you know what comes next? Just this. You can look forward to a dirt poor life. Poverty, your permanent house guest. Wow. I, I'm 
I want to take notes tonight and <laughs> learn something from the ant and the sluggard because I don't think I want to be labeled a sluggard. <laughs> Does anybody know uh, what a myrmecologist is? I'm going to give you a hint. It is not someone who specializes in murmuring and complaining. Myrmecologist. Anybody? Huh? Ants? A person who studies ants? You're right. <laughs> a myrmecologist is someone who studies ants. Now, ants, they can be really annoying if they get in your house and they find they make a trail into, you know, your canister with sugar or cookies or your brown sugar. They like to get in the pantry and, and get in that sweet stuff. Man, they can be annoying. And uh, or at a picnic trying to keep them off your blanket or out of your food. They're just annoying, but they're very interesting creatures. I learned some things about them today um, or this week while I've been studying this lesson. So here's some ant facts for you. There are over 10,000 different species of ants in the world, and about 700 of them can be found in the United States. 700 different species of ants here in the States. Ants have two stomachs which is pretty cool, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later on. They have a short lifespan. They live 46 to 45 to 60 days, so a couple months max, and so they have a really short amount of time to do what they're supposed to do. Whatever their job is, whatever their goals are, um, they just have a really short amount of time to get it done, and so they have to plan and work hard to make that happen. Another fact is ants do not have ears. Have you ever walked up behind one and like stomped really hard and tried to scare it? And like, I have. I don't know. I'm kind of mean, I guess. <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to scare it so it would go a different way. Little did I know that they don't have ears, but they, they hear with vibrations. So it probably heard me screaming really loud at it by the vibrations of the ground. <laughs> Um, ants have been known to build structures 500 times their own height. Now, we're talking about a little ant, but 500 times, that's, that's pretty big for something so small. The most fearsome ant uh, is the African safari ant, otherwise known as the army ant. Um, they are native to Central and East Africa, so I don't think you have to worry about it here, hopefully. But they live in colonies with populations of several hundred thousand. So that's a lot of ants in a little colony. And they're, they get dangerous to humans, um, generally like during a drought or something. They will, they will make a formation and swarm and attack everything in its path. So they will strip trees, they will strip plants, they will strip, um, if a small animal is in their way, like a cat or a dog, they will strip the cat and the dog and leave the bones. I mean, they strip everything in its path. Um, they can be, they can be brutal. Um, there is an ant that can kill you. It is the, uh, a fire ant. If it bites you, you can go into anaphylactic shock and die. There are cases on the internet that I read about um, of people who have had family members bit by a fire ant and they died. Um, one of the most fascinating characteristics of an ant is that they can carry massive amounts of weight in comparison to their body size, right? 
you can see um, these little bitty ants carrying these big bugs or big leaves or whatever. And it's just, it's amazing. How do they do that? Ants can actually lift um, and carry an object 50 times its body weight. 50 times its body weight. And I won't go into the details, but if you want to do a Google search, you can find out all about it. But it has to do with their neck, how their neck, um, God created their neck in a certain way. The structure allows them to carry heavy loads. So the leafcutter ant, the first thing you need to know is that it lives on leaves, right? So it has to be able to, to cut leaves down and carry them back to the nest. And so... Um, this ant will carry, will cut a leaf and carry it, but not with its arms or legs. Like they have, I think, six arms or appendages, whatever you want to call them. Um, they have six arms and legs. And um, they don't carry the leaf using those. They carry it using their jaw. So let's, let's put all of this together, okay? An average man, according to the CDC in 2020, weighs 198 pounds approximately. And so if an average man had this ability, it would, be, it would mean that he would be able to carry almost 10,000 pounds, 50 times its body weight, almost 10,000 pounds in his jaws. So again, I Googled, what is the heaviest car in the United States right now? I, I'm crazy. I don't know. I'm weird. My Google search is, is crazy, y'all. Um, in 2020, it, it, it came up with a list of 10, of, you know, like 10, top 10 heaviest cars or something. And one of them was a 2020 Chevy Tahoe. And it weighs 5,600 pounds. You could almost put two Chevy Tahoes and carry them with your jaw, with your mouth. If you had the structure of the neck and the ability to carry 50 times your body weight, like an ant. That's pretty cool. Two Chevy Tahoes, that's, that's beastly. <laughs> All right, so the opposite, as Solomon says, the opposite of the ant, Solomon calls a sluggard or a slothful person. And it, there's an animal that's exactly the opposite of an ant, and it is the sloth. So here's some sloth facts. I promise you, we're going somewhere. <laughs> Sloths are native to Central and South America, and they live in trees, Right? Most times, sloths hang upside down for like their entire life. They eat, they sleep, they mate, they give birth upside down, and sometimes even die. You can see, um, I read that sometimes you can see the rotting carcasses hanging upside down, hanging from a tree. They, die, they can die hanging upside Everything they do is upside down. The only time that they come out of a tree to be upright in any shape or form is maybe once a week or so they have to go to the bathroom, so they'll come out of a tree, or if they want to relocate. That's it. Otherwise, they stay in a tree. And it's one of the slowest-moving mammals in the world. So generally, um, they travel no more than 125 feet in a single day. Again, Google helped me to know that two bowling lanes put back-to-back, -back, if you walked the length of a bowling lane and back, you're about 125 feet. And that's all a sloth can travel in any given day. They're just so slow. Um, if they're on the ground, for some strange reason, if they make it to the ground, they travel one foot per minute. Now, I looked it up again. How tall is a sloth? It's two feet tall. <laughs> they can only travel one foot a minute. That's crazy. 
Um, He moves so slowly that green algae will grow on his fur. And so he's so lazy that instead of foraging for leaves that he can maybe reach if he put a little effort into it, he'll just lick the algae off for nutrition. A sloth is not a good thing, let me tell you. It's gross. Now, the only good thing that this this algae serves a good purpose is that it kind of camouflages, because it's green, so it kind of camouflages him against predators when he's hanging in a tree. Um, They're primarily nocturnal creatures. They sleep during the day, and they eat at night. And speaking of sleeping, (laughs) they sleep 15 to 18 hours a day. That's a lot of sleep. This is not the highlight of the attractions at the zoo. When you go to the zoo, you're not like, let's go see what the sloths are doing, right? No. (laughs) The Hebrew word that Solomon used here, that's all the facts I have. The Hebrew word here that Solomon used that was translated into sluggard or slothful in Proverbs means exactly what we think it means. It means he's lazy, he's lethargic, he's inactive, um, Anything that, the sluggard is the personification of laziness, right? Laziness. That's, if you could say one word about it, laziness. So noting what Solomon says about the sluggard, um, it's best that we avoid some of his characteristics. So let's take a little bit of a look at this. Number one is the sluggard loves to procrastinate. Their motto is, and I'm sorry, I'm going to step on some toes, including my own, but never do today what you can put off until tomorrow. Never do today what you can put off until tomorrow. A sluggard procrastinates. Proverbs 18.9. I'm going to spend a lot of time in Proverbs, so if you want to keep up, uh, good luck. (laughs) But we'll be going all over the place. Proverbs 18.9. He also that is slothful in his work is brother or is related to him that is a great waster. Now, when it says great waster, um, that, that word that is used there means someone who destroys. So the NLT just simply makes it plain. It says a lazy person is as bad as someone who destroys things. So Solomon compares the two characteristics, a destructive person and a lazy person. They're both bad. If you're out, if you think that, you know, well, I'm just laying around at home, but they're out destroying things, and I'm the better, no, you're not the better person. Solomon says that you're just as bad as someone who is lazy or as someone who destroys things. We cannot continually um, put off our responsibilities. We cannot procrastinate as Christians. We can't put off responsibilities. If you put off your homework, young people, your grades are going to suffer. Even college-age students, if you put off your schoolwork, if you put off reading the assignment, if you put off turning it in, watching the video, whatever it is, your grades are going to suffer. If you put off paying your bills, you may end up without water. You may not have power. You may be no heat, no air, whatever the situation. If you put off changing the oil in your car, you're going to lock up your engine going to ruin your car, going to cost you lots and lots of money. Procrastination is never good. It always ends in bad things. It catches up with you if you procrastinate too long. 
if you put things off too long. So the sluggard procrastinates. Number two, the sluggard does not finish what he starts. It doesn't finish. Proverbs 19.24 says, A slothful man hideth his hand in his bosom and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. The NLT puts it this way, that a sluggard buries his hand in a dish and basically he, he doesn't even have enough energy or care enough to bring the fork back to his mouth to eat the food. He's just too lazy. Doesn't even finish eating. He doesn't even finish completing that task. Proverbs, um, I'm sorry, I got lost. Number three, the sluggard is full of excuses. In Proverbs 20, verse 4, it says that the sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore shall he beg in harvest and have nothing. It's cold outside. I'm not, I'm not going to go today. I'm not going to show up today. I, I, it's too cold or it's too hot. I don't want to be outside. I don't, my, my office isn't, whatever the situation, my, the church is too cold. It's, I'm not going. <laughs> Proverbs twenty two thirteen. a slothful man said, there is a lion without. I shall be slain in the streets. Excuses. That's all these are. You can come up with an excuse for anything. I, and it doesn't even have to be good. I mean, I've heard some really lame excuses in my lifetime. I've given some lame excuses in my lifetime. Just going to be honest. Excuses. We're full of them. It doesn't even matter if it's a good one. If, if, it's, if, it just, if I can think of it, I'm going to say it. Maybe I'll get out of something. Sluggard's full of excuses. Number four, the sluggard is unbelievably irritated unbelievably irritating. There's a saying that says, some turn up their sleeves, some turn up their noses, some don't turn up at all. (laughs) Have you ever worked with somebody who doesn't pull their weight? Maybe it's been a group project at work or at school. You have to work together to get some things done and They just, somebody might do their job just well enough to make the teacher think they did their part, but you and everybody else in the group know that they didn't do hardly anything, if anything at all. They just made it look like it. Or at work, you know, somebody's supposed to clean something, and they just kind of shuffle things around to make it look like they cleaned something. Irritating. Unbelievably irritating if you have to work with those people. Proverbs 10, 26, this is a message version. It says, a lazy employee will give you nothing but trouble. It's vinegar in the mouth and smoke in the eyes. So I know Nick McDonald loves pickle juice, which is primarily vinegar. And I know Melissa can't even stand the smell of vinegar. So to me, that's, an, that's a hard one to, like, use and, and encompass everybody in. But smoke in the eyes. You've been to a bonfire, right? And it never fails. It never, you can sit anywhere. And the, the smoke is going to blow in your eyes. And you think this grass is greener on the other side of the fire pit. So you walk around to the other side. And sure enough, the smoke is in your eyes. It doesn't matter. It's so irritating. And it irrit- it, not only is it irritating like stop, it's irritating to your eyes as well. A lazy employee. It's just like that. 
unbelievably irritating. Number five, the sluggard likes to sleep, as we've talked about. They like to sleep. Proverbs 26, 14 says, As the door turneth upon his hinges, so doth the slothful upon his bed. He would simply rather turn over, hit snooze, than get up and be productive. Sloth. The sluggard is always looking for a time that they can cut out and not help. Not pitch in. I, I can't. I got, I got stuff to do. It's, again, excuses, really, is all it is. Kind of all goes together, right? But they just look for reasons and ways to cut out. Um, have you guys experienced the contagious yawn? <gasps> all I have to do, and I bet you there are some people out here going to yawn. I don't even have to. I was writing the word, and I was like, oh, I think I could yawn right now. It's contagious. Being a sluggard kind of has the same effect because it's contagious. If somebody else can see you getting away with something, if somebody can see, if they can see you cutting out early, not giving everything, not giving your all, not doing your best, um, sleeping on the job, if you will, it's contagious. It can be. Sluggards like to sleep. So if the sluggard is the opposite of an ant, Let's see what kind of spiritual lessons we can learn from the ant, okay? Number one about the ant is that they are determined. They're determined. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says that whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. Whatever you do, whatever it is, do it to the best of your ability. Your life is, a, is an example to others. If you, if you profess to be a Christian and you go to work and you do a half-hearted job and you're not giving everything you have to your job as far as like doing what you're told and going and doing above and beyond, and, and shame on you. Do it with all your ability to the glory of God so that he is glorified. Be determined to do your very best, whatever you've been given. So if you think about an ant, they never stop working. They're constantly going. Uh, I, I didn't really pursue it too much, but an ant doesn't sleep very much. They kind of do power naps. They just, just little, little naps, and they just keep going. They don't have a lot of time to live. They live two months, and then they're, they're out. So they got a lot of work to do, and so they just kind of keep going, and they're determined. They work hard. And even when an obstacle is put in their way, I have um, seen, you know, the trail of ants as it goes and comes to whatever source of um, goodness that they have found that they're taking back to their colony. And I've put my foot right in the middle of their path, right where they were, right where they were going through. I've just stepped there or put some a tree limb or whatever to block them. And it doesn't take long at all. And pretty soon that whole, the whole group behind them has gone around my foot or around the tree limb or, or whatever and, and carried on down, you know, to their goal. They don't, they're determined. You can't stop them. Obstacles don't, um, don't hinder them. Sometimes we can be distracted or discouraged by obstacles that try to block us. Things get in our way. We have goals. We have things we want to do with our life. We want to 
we want to go here, we want to live there, we want to be this, we want to do that. All of these things, we have these goals. And if we allow uh, distractions to pull us away, you know, I may not end up with the career that I was, I was intended to have because I just got distracted by, you know, well, you know, I, I got this other job or I'm, I'm doing something else. So don't, don't be distracted. Keep your focus on what the goal is and what, um, what you're supposed to be doing. You have to have determination to succeed. You have to be determined. You, you can't get, you can't make, be accomplished at things with no determination. Because then you're just going to be like a sluggard. Well, if it happens, it happens. Right? Uh, Your future potential is created by the decisions you make today. What happens today, whether you decide to get up out of bed and be determined or lay in bed, your future is dependent upon that. Be determined to accomplish what you set out to do. The second thing about an ant is they are opportunists. They will use anything they can to their advantage. So whatever's available to them. If they need to get up, uh, you know, up to the windowsill of my house in my kitchen, they will crawl up the plant, and then they'll crawl up the siding, and then finally they'll wiggle their way in. Whatever means is necessary. They, are op- they will use whatever's available to them. Um, If they want up on the picnic table, they will crawl up your leg or the leg of the table or the cup that's there and somehow get transported up. Whatever's whatever's available, they will use that to to accomplish what they, to get to their goal, whatever they want. They don't look at a roadblock. They don't look at as, at at, they don't look at something that's blocking their way as a roadblock. They look at it as an opportunity. 1 Corinthians 9.22, this is the NLT. It says, when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. The Apostle Paul said that whatever opportunity I have, I want to win the lost. I want, to, I want someone to be touched by my life, by my words, by my attitude, by my example, by the way I live. Every opportunity, no matter where I am, if I'm in the store, if I'm at the park, if I'm at work, if I'm in school, wherever I am, every opportunity is don't let anything go to waste. Grab those, chan- grab those opportunities when somebody's talking to you to share about God, to share something he's done for you. Use every opportunity by saying later, like a sluggard would do, you let the opportunity slip by. And you don't know what kind of impact you could have had on someone's life. Somebody could be encouraged. Somebody could find hope, could find Jesus because of the words you say. Number three, an ant is not selfish, but they are focused and united. Psalm 133.1 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. They're not selfish, and they're united. Um, There's two examples from an ant that I want to talk about on this particular point. Ants are determined as individuals, 
if you've ever tried to stop an ant, blocked him or whatever, man, he, he'll dart all over the place trying to get to where he wants to be. But as a colony, they are focused. The colony has a goal, and every ant that works together in that colony knows what the goal is, and they work together to achieve it. They are united. There is unity in the colony. I'm sure you've all seen sometimes where ants are, are carrying uh, a large bug or something, and it'll, there'll be like two or three of them trying to carry this large, um, this large bug or larva or whatever they've, they've found that they want to take back. They'll use they'll, two or three of them, four, whatever it takes. They'll work together, working together to take it back to the co- colony for the consumption of everyone, not just for them. So they don't carry the large bug back by themselves and hide it for their family. And they don't carry it back so that they can get hero status for bringing the biggest bug into the colony that day. But they bring it um, as a group and they share the load. They share the, the rejoicing. They share the celebration. They share all of it. We have all been given gifts and abilities and talents from God, and when we use those to the best of our ability, and we don't let the, the talents of others stop us or make us feel less useful, but we work together, each of us doing our part, we work together to further the kingdom of God. We can't be selfish then with what we've been given. We got to share it, we got to give it. We gotta let others use it, and we use together, we use it and 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 grow the kingdom of God. And it's okay to acknowledge that something just might be out of your ability. You just I can't do that. But man, I know somebody who can. I can get some help. We can do this together. Come together as a body. The second example of a selfless ant is the one that has two stomachs. So this is kind of gross, and I won't stay here long, but one stomach that they have is designated to hold food for their own consumption. No problem. I get that. But the second one is used to hold food to be shared with other ants. The process, I will let you Google. (laughs) But this allows them to help someone on the side of the road who is struggling. This allows them to help the broken ant that may be suffering from, you know, needing some nutrition and and carrying a heavy load maybe by himself and needs some help, needs somebody to come alongside of him and help him and, and give him nutrients. They carry back food to the people at the nest, to the ants at the nest who are working and protecting the nest and working in the nest to keep the colony going on that end. It helps the colony run efficiently. Luke 6.38 says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. What you give, you get you get back. So if you give generously of yourself, it's not like you're not going to have anything because the you're going to reap a, a reward too, greater than what you give out. You can't contain it. It's pressed down, shaken together, running over. It's immeasurable what you get when you give of yourself. 
we can demonstrate selflessness, like the ant with the two stomachs, by carrying the burdens of others. When we see someone who is down, someone who is suffering, someone who is going through a situation, we can come alongside them and lift them up, encourage them, give them a hug, give them a word of hope, give them a prayer. You know, I'm praying for you. When somebody says they're praying for you, man, that's incredible. Because it's not just that they're praying for you, it's that they're talking to God on your behalf. He can do something about it. I've talked about that before. Ants are not selfish, but they are united. Number four, ants take initiative. They don't wait around for something to happen, and they go after what they want. It's been said that there are three types of people. There are, there are people who don't know what's happening. There are people who watch what's happening. And then there are the people who make things happen. And those people are the wise people. The wise people make things happen. They're not the lazy sluggards, let me tell you. They're the ants. They're the ones who are wise and get things done. They take initiative. They don't sit around and watch the world roll by, but they make things happen. The person uh, who takes initiative doesn't wait for somebody else to take out the trash or to notice the trash on the floor at church or the water bottle that's left laying there or the tissue. They don't, <laughs> they don't say, well, pastor will pick it up. Oh, that's Sister Beth's job. She, she takes care of cleaning the church. So let's let Sister Beth get that. People who take initiative care about the house of God. They care what's presented here. So pick up the tissue. They'll pick up the, the trash that's not even theirs. They'll vacuum where their kid, where somebody else's kid made a mess. It doesn't matter. They'll come on Saturday or, or Sunday morning early and pick up trash in, in front of the church. Do you know that somebody does that every weekend? Somebody comes on Saturday or Sunday, I can't remember which day, and they pick up the trash that people threw out of their window. You can serve. You can take initiative and do that for the church, for the kingdom of God. It's not a hard job. It doesn't take but maybe 15 minutes, maybe. Just picking up trash. They take initiative and don't wait for somebody else to do it. The anthill is like a corporation or a body that's dependent on the contributions of each and every one of its members. Every ant that comes back to the anthill brings something for the colony. It may be small, it may seem small, it may seem insignificant. It may be just a little, a little piece of um, you know, larva. It may be a little leaf. It may be a big berry. It may be a giant leaf. There may be three or four. I think I've seen where they've carried little mice, like a group of ants have carried a, a dead mouse. Um, I, I didn't see that this week as I was studying, but that rings a bell in my head that I've, I think I've heard of that happening in the past. Whatever size it is, Whatever talent and ability you have, it's not insignificant, and it's not small to the kingdom of God. 
Each ant is designed, is assigned a specific job in the colony that they're responsible for. And then they get together in groups by job assignment and they work together in unity to accomplish their job. That's the church, right? Think about us. So the, one of the, um, the most visible, I guess, um, groups would be the worship team, the music team. You've got all these people with different talents. You've got the drummer. You've got the guitar players, the bass players. You've got the saxophone. You've got the organ. You've got the keyboard. You've got the, um, what am I missing? You've got the soprano and the alto and the tenor. You've got all of these different people who have talents given to them. The sound man, the audiovisual, all of this works together as a team. We come together and, and we work together to bring a, unit, a unified front into leading worship, leading us and ushering us into the presence of God. What they do up here is not for show and it's not for, you know, look at me. It's to bring worship to God. But they work together, unified, to do that. If somebody's not playing right, if somebody's not singing right, you're going to know. If, they're off to, if, sister, if Sister Andrea took off and started playing her own song, and the praise singers are like, eh, we don't want that song, we're going to sing this one, and we start singing something different, you guys are going to know. <laughs> it's going to be obvious. There's a problem. Unity, working together. It's not a one-man show. It's everybody, every job, not just the music, but every job working together. It takes all of us. I was thinking about Trunk or Treat. Sister Tremia had a lot of people working behind the scenes for Trunk or Treat. She could not have pulled that off by herself. She would have had to decorate. I don't know how many trunks we had. Do you know offhand? She could not have decorated 16 trunks by herself and then handed out candy to all the people that we had come through here. It took teamwork. All of us doing our special thing that we could do contributed to such a great event, amazing event for community. We reached our community that day. It was incredible. Also, she's for Christ. One person would have trouble raising millions of dollars every year for she's for Christ, I think. I mean, there may be some people that could do it, but for the most part, one person couldn't raise the millions of dollars that are raised each year for She's for Christ. But if you give your $5, your $10, your $100, your $1,000, whatever God lays on your heart, if you give that to, to your lo- in your local church and we put it together and we make an offering that we join with Section 4, that we join with the state, that we join with the United States, man, we're working for the kingdom as a united front. We can do amazing things. The kingdom, it's about the kingdom. Ephesians 4, 16 in the, in the New Living Translation says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Each part does its, its own job, and we grow together. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, again, the NLT says, all of you together, together, all of you are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. 
the amplified version just adds, with your own special purpose and function. You have a purpose. You have a function. There is something for you to do in the body for every one of us. And this just means that everyone is important. Everyone. Whatever your role is, you may be a teacher. You may be a kid's teacher, a junior high teacher, adult teacher, Bible study teacher on a different night other than a church night. If your role is a teacher, okay, maybe you're on the music team. Maybe you're the one pulling the weeds or you're, the, you're a worshiper in the pew. Maybe you don't even get out of your pew to do other things, but you are a worshiper. I'm telling you, you have value because you create an atmosphere of worship and praise that allows other people to get their needs met, that allows them to contact God and be like, okay, God, the atmosphere is here and I feel your presence and this is what I need today. This is what I need. Sister Lydia had a card ministry. And I miss getting a card from Sister Lydia on my birthday. She was faithful in that. And it was a ministry because it meant something to me. It was valuable to me to know she was thinking of me on my birthday. Pastor has what I call the dum dum ministry. <laughs> Do you know that Pastor has a bowl over by his door full of dum dum suckers that your littles can go after church and ask him if he could if they can have a sucker? And do you know how important that is to those little children? It's the world. It's a little bitty dum dum sucker. But it's the world to those kids. I've heard him tell me of young of little kids, six, seven years old, who come up to him and want to talk to him in his office. Not so that they can get a sucker, but because they know their pastor loves them and he cares about them. And he spends time listening to them tell about whatever game they played that day or whatever, whatever's important in their life at that moment. It's a dum-dum ministry. Seems insignificant, but it's important. Never discount your role in the kingdom. Whatever God has asked you to do, it's important. As Christians, we have to work hard. Do a good job. Bring glory to God. And I got to be honest, there are days when I just feel like cutting out. I, I don't want to work today. I don't want to do my best today. I'm tired. I have a headache. Whatever those sluggard excuses are. But I have to get rid of that old man. I have to get rid of that thought process. And maybe I have to create a new habit in my life where I no longer allow myself the liberty to say, well, maybe tomorrow, maybe I'll do it later, or maybe somebody else will do it. I can make the decision today to start creating new habits in my life. You may not have it right now. You may, you may suffer from, from procrastination or, or from any of those other sluggard attributes or characteristics. But it's not too late 
to ask God for help. Help me, God. Make a new habit. Help me to become what you want me to be. Help me to live with a kingdom focus and a kingdom mind for what I need to be doing in this community, in our church body, in my home. Help me, God. I pray tonight you have learned something from the ant and the sluggard, um, that you will take it to heart and learn and, and, and change some behaviors maybe. Um, but I just encourage you to find your place and to do it with all of your ability, everything God's given you.